0: Hello and welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the podcast where my name, Jeff, th- me as a human being, go through and watch every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's full-length films that were made in the English language, and I recap and review them in the order they were released. I think I want to say that I'm in sort of a second phase of just hot garbage, and I not all of it, right? I mean... The skin game last week was fine, but what I'm experiencing, and I think I'm almost out of, is a second round of that emotion of silent films, right? If I can just get through this, I'll be okay, because I'm looking through Alfred Hitchcock's IMDb, and we're getting close to some of his lesser known hits, some things that are uh, popular, with people who like Hitch. I don't know how to explain it. It's not his big super hits that everybody knows, but it's these lesser known. It's like your favorite band, right? You know, people, everyone knows U2's big hits, but it's some of those lesser known hits that the fans all like. And I think I'm getting close to those. Maybe, I don't know. Does that mean, that doesn't make sense. Who cares? All right, so this, I watched a movie called uh, Rich and Strange. And it's also listed as East of Shanghai now. And I'm going to be honest up until like this last week, it had been listed on IMDb as rich and strange. The movie, when you rent it, when I rented it from Google play was listed as rich and strange. The title card says rich and strange. Where did East of Shanghai just all of a sudden come out of is IMDb like Wikipedia where people can just edit it and someone listening to this is like, we're just going to mess with Jeff and change it to East of Shanghai to just, anyway, it kind of makes sense because this movie is about people who go uh, to the Far East. Now I want to say that the movie starts off like a silent movie. There's a slapstick comedy on a train with our lead named Fred, And there's no words. And I noticed at the beginning of the movie, and I made a note here that there's music. And on a lot of these talkies, there's no music at all outside of the opening and closing. And so that was like, oh, there's going to be a score. Maybe we're starting to see some growth in cinema. No, the only reason there was a score is because this opening scene is filmed like a silent film. There's even cards throughout the movie telling you kind of what's happening and even telling you which characters are on screen at times but just sporadically and randomly it doesn't make any sense it's not consistently acting like a silent film and it's not consistently acting like a talking film it's kind of this weird mushed up mess and it extends to the storytelling So, our main characters are Fred and Emily. They are a married couple. And Fred is tired of the mundane life. He's ready for some sort of uh, adventure. He points at a picture of a boat on the wall. That should be me on a boat venturing, like a venturer. And his wife is making her own dress because they don't have a ton of money, but she's still working with her hands. And the same day, I think even... They're talking about changing their life and they get a letter from a rich uncle who says, I hear you want to live your best life now. Well, take my money now. You don't have to wait till I die. And so all of a sudden they're rich, just out of nowhere, just perfectly timed. Woohoo. What a story we're going with here. And so as they get rich, we are presented with one of those cards that normally would tell you the dialogue, but in this movie, it just it's a quote from The Tempest. Dust Doth suffer a sea change into something rich and strange. I don't know what that means, but it's the name of the movie, Rich and Strange. So Emily and Fred get on a boat. They're going to Paris, all right? They're going to celebrate. And as soon as they get on this boat and it starts moving, Fred gets seasick. And this is a theme throughout the movie. It's part of the... So this is listed as a comedy. I didn't laugh. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Fred just gets seasick and he, this happens all the time and they, it, there's constantly like these cards telling you where they're going. Like if in order to get to what's called the Foley's, they need to go through Paris. And then there's a bad montage. Then they're at a show. Okay. So they're at like a Vegas show, I guess in Paris and the curtain goes up and Emily's like, Oh no, they pulled the curtain up too fast. They're not even dressed. And I swear. I rewound this for research purposes that there is a full front chested woman on stage. It's brief and it's kind of grainy and I can't exactly tell, but from what I see, there's nudity in this film, which for the thirties, I don't think uh, is allowed. Now this is uh, again made in the UK, but it's very brief. And then they cut back and most of the women are in, they have some sort of bra, still dressed scantily. So this movie, a lot of it, like the bulk of this first bit is Emily and Fred just doing boring stuff with money, just being rich. And the movie, again, tells you with these title cards and they're so, I think there's more reading in this talkie than there was in any of the silent movies. They even have a card that comes up and tells you that in order to get to their hotel room, they have to go through the lobby of the hotel. Okay, thanks for letting me know. They need to get through the lobby. Yeah, that's part of something important. It never comes up again. I don't know why it's here. It shouldn't be, but it is. And Fred's drunk at this time, even to the point where there's a little dial next to the elevator that tells you what floor it's on. And he seems to think it's a clock. So he resets his watch. To it, it's just great, hilarious content. And so Fred's pretty much an idiot from the beginning to the end of this movie. He sucks. The like, so generally speaking, you want your protagonist to be likable at the or at the least relatable, right? And he's neither. He's he he doesn't like his life, even though he's married to uh, for all intents a, a pretty good woman, and they're not doing too bad. They're making ends meet and everybody wants to be rich, right? You know, but he didn't, I don't know. Like I'd like to make more money, but I don't think my life particularly is that bad because I don't make more money. But Fred's an idiot. So Uh, they cut to them being in the hotel room and uh, Fred has bought her a dress. And I guess she was trying to make it seem scary. I don't know, like sexy. What, like so? You're probably wondering why is Jeff telling me that they bought that that she gets a dress. It must matter to the plot. It does not. Nothing in this movie matter. Like seventy percent of it is just what. It's like, all right. Imagine you're watching Goodfellas, and they just show Joe Pesci go shopping at the grocery store, and he goes home, and he puts his fruit in his groceries in the refrigerator. And, oh, he left out the eggs and he wakes up the next morning and the eggs are bad, so he has to throw them out and make another trip. That's what this movie is for the most of it. It's just monotony. So anyway, uh, they get on the ship and uh, Fred, they, so they're taking another ship. So they take several ships in this movie. They're, most of the movie's on a boat of some sort. Not the same boat, but several different boats. And when they're on this second boat a guy by the name of Commander Gordon comes up and he starts flirting with Emily. Now, poor old Fred is laid out again on the boat. He's seasick. He's in his hotel room. He's actually delirious. Like, he thinks that the person tending to his cabin is his wife and blah, 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 blah. So he's actually laid out. And this gives Emily plenty of time to hang out with this Commander Gordon guy. And so now I'm thinking, great a love triangle, right? We've got another one of these. And if you haven't listened and you go back and you listen to the back catalog of uh, these silent movies, most of those were love triangles and only one of them was a story worth watching. Was this a story worth watching? No, it wasn't. So Commander Gordon brings up Fred. He knows that Hillary is married or Hillary. Emily is married, right? And they even almost show like a point where, frankly, Commander Gordon is kind of popular with all the ladies. Now, I should mention, this guy is ancient. And it's something that happens. I don't know if it's Hitchcock trying to show that it's cool for young women to be into old-ass dudes. I don't think he's that old at this point, Hitchcock. But it's something that happens in all these movies. They have some young guy that they're with. And then eventually some old dude shows up. This is the plot. From a lot of those silent movies. Again. Commander Gordon. Basically you see that he can get any woman he wants. Right. But he's only interested in Emily. And they hang out a bunch. Because for this bulk of this trip. Fred is laid out in his cabin. Uh, There's this crazy woman. By the name of Miss Emery who shows up. And she hogs up a lot of scenery. And that uh, she is loud. And over the top. And annoying. Uh, but she does offer something called plasters. Now, this is some sort of nineteen thirties medicine, I guess, where she says it will get Fred back on his feet, and indeed it does. So they—he's back up. He's with Emily, and uh, but before all this, Gordon and Emily have a long conversation, and they—Gordon starts putting the moves on her. And they eventually kiss. And before this, they have this conversation. Have you ever been in love, Mr. Gordon? <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. That's a pity. Worst luck. That's a pity because it's difficult for you to understand. You see, I love Fred and he loves me. And naturally, I want him to think well of me. <laughs> when no. I talk to him, I'm also frightened of saying something foolish. You see, he's terribly clever. <laughs> and I'm naughty. It- No. (laughs) Oh, I think you're interesting and amusing. And you like the things that I like. Yes. Well, that doesn't take much doing, does it? No, I suppose not. No, I don't think you're (laughs) clever. No, I suppose I'm not, really. I see. It's a very lucky thing that uh, we're not in love, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, isn't it? So, I know that sometimes these audio clips can be a little tough to hear. Um, Basically... She says that she watches the way she acts around Fred, her husband, because she wants him to think well of her. She even goes so far to say she's scared of looking dumb because he's so clever. Now, this movie establishes one thing, and it establishes it really well. Fred is an idiot. He's a moron throughout the entire movie. Okay? So... Here's my lens from 2021. He's gaslighting her into thinking she's dumb, but you heard what she said. She's actually quite intelligent. She understands things. And and this other guy, Gordon, he listens and he agrees with her. And he's like, yeah, I guess I am dumb. Or you know, I don't know, like the movie. Okay. As old, As much as there's an age difference, because there's like a 50 year gap. Between Emily and Mr. Gordon. He's way better suited for her because Fred is a moron. And it's not that he's stupid that makes him unworthy of her. It's that he lets it get in the way. He's an idiot. Let me let me bring myself back around. Well, anyway, so it's the next day. The weird plaster medicine works. Fred's on his feet. And they go to the surface of the ship where someone's playing badminton or tennis or some sort of sport. And Fred gets beamed in the head by the ball. And he gets beamed in the head by this woman who's just called Princess. And she immediately takes a liking to Fred. And Fred, like the idiot he is, standing next to his wife, takes an immediate interest in Princess. And he spends almost the rest of this movie sleeping with her, kissing her. Cheating on his wife in front of his wife for like the whole movie. And then, so, all right. And so she spends, Emily spends all her time with Mr. Gordon because she's left alone. Right? And it makes sense that she would because Fred is an idiot. He's with someone he just met and he treats his wife like crap over and over and over. He acts like she's an idiot. And so... That explains why in that clip she has this complex of thinking she's stupid because her idiot boyfriend makes her feel that way, her idiot husband. But the movie, I don't think intended there to be that sort of subtlety here. It just kind of happened. So Fred and Princess are like, Getting ready to make out and they go dance, and then they make out a little more. And she says, Hey, come up to cabin 19. And you and I both know what that means, okay? When he goes to cabin 19, he's going to Pound Town, okay? And he's leaving his wife in the lurch. So he has to dance with that crazy Miss Emery, and he does, and he leaves her there. Uh, Says, I'm going to get you a drink, but he leaves her there till dawn. Like she's there the next morning waiting for this drink because he's an asshole. He goes to her room, cabin 19, and we can only assume what happens. They don't say specifically, but you and I know what happened. At some point during the same time, Mr. Gordon and Emily share a kiss. And then later, Emily finds out that they were getting Fred and princess were getting down and she's like well it's hard to feel bad about the kiss now because she did the kiss with mr gordon ah <sighs> god gordon even starts to feel bad about letting it go this far right he talks to her because he knows that she's married right and at the end of the day gordon he's not the worst guy in this movie that's fred but he basically tells her listen and he tells her the truth fred's an idiot okay I can take care of you. I can treat you like you need to be treated. Fred's an idiot. And that's all it comes down to. He doesn't care about you. He's with another woman. She actually kind of agrees to this. And now he's stoked. Okay. Commander Gordon is is hyped. So Fred and Princess and Gordon and Emily, they essentially go on a double date. Okay. I don't think it's intentional But like Fred and Princess are holding hands. Emily and Gordon are riding together and they're both kind of gone their separate ways. They all seem to be totally fine with the fact that this married couple is basically falling apart and and they're all dating each other. And they're all riding in these, uh, uh, what do you call them? A rickshaw where someone is like the, a human engine in the front and they pull people around and Fred and uh uh princess have a conversation tell me Fred have you none other regrets for treating Emily so well I wouldn't be human if I no regrets naturally I feel for her She'd be a pretty poor sort of fish and I didn't of course she's fond of me I know I suppose we were happy enough in our own quiet little way until we came on this trip when I met you after that of course it was all up I mean, how would I be expected to love Emily when I when I loved you? Water, he is a good drink. But champagne, he is better, I guess. That's it, that's it. And having developed a taste for champagne, what's the use of trying to stick to water? So, I don't know if you heard that correctly. Because it's kind of hard to understand these old movies. But essentially, Dumpus, Fred, acknowledges that Emily's still in love with him. But... Now that he's fallen in love with Princess, he can't go back, essentially. And Princess says, water's a good drink, but it doesn't compare to champagne, saying that she's champagne. And now, Fred has developed a taste for champagne. What an idiot. Well, they decide that that Emily and uh, Gordon decide, okay, they're going to run off together. It's clear that Fred's big, dumb, stupid behind is going to run off with princess right and so gordon and and uh uh, emily they go off together and while they're going off together um gordon knows more about princess than he said before he lets emily know that princess is actually a con artist and she's just scheming fred out of his inheritance And that's why. And so Emily, like the kind and noble person that she is, decides that, hey, I'm going to go warn him. I can't let this happen. I'm married. I made a promise. I need to fix this. So she leaves Gordon high and dry. Uh, Later on, Gordon writes her a note to proclaim his love for her and tell her, you know, you made the decision you made. But I now know what love is. But you got to do what you got to do. Right. He's letting her go in the hopes that she'll return and that it was meant to be. That's how I take it. Uh, Well, Emily shows up at Princess's place with uh, Dumpus, Fred, and uh, Princess gives him a little time alone. And Emily tells her that, hey, Princess is a sham. She's not actually royalty, because apparently that's what she was trying to pass along the whole time. And come to find out they're right. And and so Princess has taken 1,000 pounds. And so all they're left with is enough money... To get on a boat and go home. And not a good boat, right? A cheap boat, because they're broke. And you would think that now that Fred has uh, gotten his wife back, she has shown that she cares about him despite the fact he's adulterer and he's cheated on her with this floozy who's a scam artist and she didn't believe him or she didn't, uh, he didn't believe her until he found out for sure the princess had taken off. You would think that he would realize that his wife is smart and intelligent and worth having a conversation with. no. He thinks she's an idiot. Like, but he, okay, so the boat that they're on going home wrecks and it starts to sink. And Fred is a baby now and she's staying strong for him. And at this point he realizes that he needs her. But guess what? The boat doesn't sink all the way and they get out and they go exploring right on the boat. And at this point, now that they're safe, quote unquote, he starts treating her like crap again. They'll come back, Jackie? Oh, will they? They'll reckon it's gone down hours ago, instead of floating on like this. What did it, Fred? How the dickens do I know? Silly things you ask. What the hell do we do now? That's the question. Well, we want a boat or a, a raft or something. You don't tell me. Fred, hadn't we better go and find some clothes or something? Somebody might come. Yes, that's very likely. Now, probably what you're not seeing is this guy's being a sarcastic jerk. Like, he's such an idiot. He's such an idiot. I hate this guy so much. And spoilers, he doesn't get killed at the end of this movie. That would have raised the rating a bit. So eventually, another ship does come and it's this small, beat up ship uh, with a lot of people from China on it. And so all of these... People on this small beat-up ship get on the big sinking ship and take the valuables while Fred and Emily get on the beat-up ship because at least it's not sinking. And nobody really says anything to them. Someone even brings them food to eat. Uh, Now, we're going to get into some stuff here because this movie gets racist now. (sighs) this movie does not have a positive outlook on people from China. They find a cat on the boat and they skin and eat it. And they feed it to Emily and Fred, okay? And it's done for laughs, I think. And he constantly... Calls them things he shouldn't. Fred should be killed and dumped in the ocean. That would be great. Anyway, they make it home. Uh, They have a baby. One of the passengers on this ship, this new ship, has a baby. I don't know. Um... They make it home, I guess. And uh, so they mentioned that with that boat going down, they had apparently just told, like, I guess the insurance company or something, that the money went down with the ship. And so they were able to get that pa- those pounds back. They lost a princess. And so they go home, and I guess all is right. But the first thing Fred does when he gets home is he abuses their cat. And then he starts to talk about having a baby with Emily. I was wondering if we could get a plan down that passage. But I'm not going to stay here. What? Why not? When you get your new job as traveler for the firm, I'm going to a bigger, better house. In here. Oh, that's so. What do you want to move for? I've been Oh, I never heard you so ridiculous. We've been here me. for all these years. What do you want to move for? That's one of the very reasons why. Well, I'm going to the not going to stay here. Maybe I don't you know if you going to And that's rich and strange for you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This movie was garbage. Okay? And there is just so much not happening for so long. And the things that do happen, I hate and don't care about. This movie's trash. It's not worse than Juno and the Peycock, but it's hot garbage. And like I said, I'm just trying to get through this until we start getting to the good Hitchcock movies, okay? I think I have like two more before maybe we start getting into some recognizable titles. But I'm a little worried about some of those too. But our next movie is called Number 17. Uh, It's on Daily Motion if you want to go find it and watch it. The beautiful thing about this is that it's one hour long. So even if it's trash, it's not just two hours or an hour and a half of it. It's one solid hour of hot garbage. I'm actually a little optimistic about the next one. I read a bit of the synopsis. It's about crime. And maybe we'll get something good as opposed to a dang love triangle or in this case a square. You can find me in the Budget Arcade Discord. The link's in the description. If you want to email me, you can email me at chronologically at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.